All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? What's, what's going on out there? Where are we at, man? I have to, I really have to check myself, man. I am drifting into zero fuckness. I am drifting into uh, giving zero fucks. And, you know, it's freeing, it's liberating. Uh, on some level, I think it may give me opportunity to to say even more of what I think. But on the other side of that, a lot of uh, what I think I might just let go of and live in the zero fuck zone. I mean, I haven't got a dog in this race, man. I uh, I, I I don't. I, I'm not carrying any debt. I don't have any children. I don't owe anybody anything. And uh, zero fuck is it's it's a nice zen. Uh, the Zen of zero fuckness. I mean, obviously there are things I care about, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to just stay engaged, stay engaged. But what is the big game? I got to do some homework, man. I've got to do some homework. How are you? I'm just, I'm a little lit up right now. So today, uh, I talked to Kelly Reichart. Now I've been talking about Kelly Reichart for a while. Um, I watched all her films recently and I just saw the new one showing up. I went to a screening of showing up. Uh, and look, man, sometimes, sometimes an artist just hits you somehow. And I, I've explained it to you and I'll probably explain it to her. I saw a trailer for her new movie and there was a moment in it where I was just sort of like, that is so precisely hilarious that I want to watch everything this person has ever done. And I found that I'd seen some of them, but I just didn't contextualize it. You know, I mean, I saw, I think the first one I saw was Wendy and Lucy. Um, which was a devastating movie that I rewatched. And I know I remember seeing um, First Cow. I believe that came out during the pandemic and everyone was talking about it. And I was like, there's something about this movie. It, it, it's, it's got uh, a, a, a hint of McCabe and Mrs. Millerness to it. And I being a huge McCabe and Mrs. Miller person, I was like, there is a, a, just a, a fine aroma of McCabe and Mrs. Miller to first cow. But so I watched the trailer for the new one showing up and then I just started. I watched, uh, I watched them in order river of grass, river of grass and old joy, which had a moment in it that to me was stunning because of the space in it. Then I watched uh, Wendy and Lucy again which was much more heartbreaking than I remembered it. Then I watched Meek's Cutoff, which is this period piece that ends in really one of the crazy, most poetic endings I've ever seen. Then Night Moves, which was about domestic terrorism. And then Certain Women, which was stunning. And then First Cow again, and then showing up, the new one. But... I take deep dives, you know, like even with music, sometimes I'll hear a group that I don't know of and I'll have to have everything they've done. And with, with Kelly Reichardt's movies, I was like, holy shit, who is this person? 
And then I find out that Sharpling, Tom Sharpling, him and I talked about her on his show. He knows her from back in the day. And I don't even know what this that means. To me, Kelly Reichardt is this person that is a, a mythological being. This like poetic, uh, creative artist person that doesn't exist in time and place. She's a mystery to me. And then I, I started emailing with her. And then it was then it was real. An email makes it real. And then we booked the we booked the talk. And the weird thing about River of Grass, her first movie, is I'm watching it and the woman I know the woman in it from the Lower East Side. I gotta talk to her about that. I'm like, I think I'm I think I uh well, I don't wanna say too much, but I know that lady. So I talked to her about that. But just I mean, I would just go in order. You know, I really would. That there's a, a a tone that she creates that she maintains through all her films. I mean, River of Grass is basically it seemed to me like her learning how to uh, to make a movie, but the rest just follow them all the way through. She creates space, man, and her endings are stunning and and satisfying and provocative in a way that is antithetical to closure a lot of times. Yeah. Live with that. Live with life, man. You think there's a button on situations? There's only one button. We're all headed for the big button, man. There's only one button to this fucking story, this joke. There's only one tag, and it's a long one. So, all right, I'm going to talk to Kelly Reichardt in a few minutes. I'm at Largo, April 14th. Don't know what I'm going to do there but I'm, I'm going to be there. This is what I do. You know, I'm, I'm fucking around with about a half hour. Somehow I got to make it an hour. I don't know where we're going to go. I got some ideas in my head. Let's start it at Largo. But you can go uh, to the link for Largo at wtfpod.com slash tour for the tickets. Okay? You got it? So anyway, I go out on a dinner. I go to dinner tonight. Business dinner. Conversation about... uh possible film project I'm, I'm that's like the most hollywood thing i've done in a long time i met with the writer and a producer about a possible film project at a place so we're talking i'm telling stories getting laughs talking about the stuff and uh and i'm uh, someone go two women come in and they're once they're sitting at the bar and i'm facing the bar and I, uh, I kind of lose my mind because sitting at the bar, I think it's that woman who uh, was in the, the latest season of White Lotus, the woman who played the, uh, the hotel manager. And I said to one of the guys who I'm eating with, the producer guy, I'm like, is that the woman from White Lotus? And he's like, oh my God, I know her. And he jumps up and starts talking to her. And then I'm sitting there like, holy shit, it's really her. And I'm like totally flustered, starstruck. She was so good. Her name is Sabrina Impacciatore, I think is how you pronounce her last name. And I met her and we're talking, me and the producer guy and the uh, writer guy and her friend who's uh, married to the editor of White Lotus, telling stories. And I, I made a joke and I got a big laugh out of Sabrina. And it was uh, rewarding that, you know, sometimes you realize like 
when you land one, you're like, yeah, that's why I do this. Look at that. Surprise. Hilarious. But it was uh, such a thrill to meet that woman. And I'm telling you this because I do get starstruck. I was starstruck and I had to sit down. I couldn't even stay in the conversation. Look, I know the world's uh, horrifying and terrible, but uh, I'm currently in a zero fuck groove. It's not a political decision. I'm not stifling anything. I'm just, I'm just living in the present. All right? The zen of zero fuck right now. But I do give a fuck, and I do care, and I do worry, and I do panic. But the other night, middle of the night, I hear a sound downstairs. And if you're uh, a cat owner or a dog owner, you know when there's chaos in the house that that means there's some sort of wild animal outside or another cat. Something's fucking with my cats downstairs. Now, Charlie is fine. Charlie's not moving. Charlie has taken it upon himself, this is the kitten, to sleep with me, which is nice. And then for some reason, Charlie, who's for the most part an asshole, like all day long, at about four in the morning, just becomes this weird, uh, affectionate, uh, just love bug of a cat and starts just rubbing. He literally sticks his nose in my mouth. He rubs his nose all over my face. We have an understanding. It's it's kind of disgusting. But then he just purrs and he flops around and then he's up uh, pretty early in the morning and immediately becomes an asshole. This, I guess not unlike me some days. But the other two are downstairs, Fat Sammy and Buster, and uh, there's commotion going on. So I get up in a panic because uh, I don't know what's up. And I go down there in my underwear and my front door, you can see out of it and right outside the front door. Like there's a, a glass part uh, that is, is sort of exposed if I have the shade up a little bit, which I do. So the cats can, you know, experience a little bit of the outdoors during the night if they like. And my porch light is on. And standing there really like literally at the door are two coyotes. Uh, very healthy looking coyotes, maybe on the young side, but uh, the coats look good. They looked, uh, um, they didn't look uh, mangy or scrawny. They look like two excited, very alive, uh, very focused coyotes focused on the potential meal of Smushy and Buster. Smushy and Booster were at the doors fucking around with these coyotes. And I had to bend down. I bent down. I look right at him. I'm like, get out of here. And I start banging on the door. Nothing. They were literally at the door. Like these four animals were having full exchange uh, through this glass. And it's weird to see coyotes that close, especially ones that don't give a fuck that you're there and aren't going to move. Like, I'm just going to be like, oh yeah, come on in, eat my fucking cats. Help me out. You guys want in? Sure, come on in. There's one upstairs too. You want me to go get them? But like, they wouldn't chew. They wouldn't go away. I pounded on the glass and they were just sort of like, no, we're pretty focused on the cats. And of course, I didn't bring my phone down so I couldn't record this. I want to go up and get the phone. I want to get rid of the fucking guy who's driving my cat's crazy. Now, I don't know how crazy it's going to get. You know, if, if they're going to break in. I don't think they can, but I don't know. See, I do care. I do give a fuck about my cats. 
And uh, I get rid of the cats, shoo them off. And I had to open the fucking door and, you know, get in these coyotes' faces and tell them to get the fuck out of here. And then they went away. But that was exciting at 3.30 in the morning. The coyote event. Right at the door. Like literally could have been scratching to get in. I'm waiting for him to come back. I will get any coyote footage that happens. I'll let you know. I'll put it on the Instagram. All right, so Kelly Reichardt is a, 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 a real artist, a poetic genius of film, and I was very excited to talk to her. Um, her new movie, Showing Up, opens in theaters tomorrow, and it was very enjoyable. And it actually is probably the happiest ending that she's uh, achieved. And this is uh, my conversation with Kelly Reichardt. Here's what happens. So I see a coming attraction for the new one, for a trailer for showing up. And there was a moment in it that I thought was so acute and perceptive that I just like it. I, I had to watch every one of your movies because of one moment in the trailer. Now I had seen, you, you know, Wendy and Lucy when it came out. I think, and right. I had seen First Cow, but I never put them together as you know. I never connected the tissue of you okay. and your work. So that one moment where that guy's digging that hole in showing up, <laughs> and he says, "It's what is it? It's it's a big work, an important work." What yeah, does he say? He says. Um, it's a piece, a yeah. very important piece. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. A very important piece. And then once I realized it was about artists, and I dated a painter for years, and there was something yeah. about that moment that sort of revealed the kind of delusion that an artist has to have in order to believe that their work is relevant. Right. All of us. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. It, I thought it was so hilarious in that moment without any context. Yeah. Right? Right, right. So... So then I'm like, oh, my God, who, who is this person who made this movie? And then I realized, like, okay, I'd seen First Cow when it came out. And, and even that one, I just went through this thing with First Cow this morning because, like, I'm a McCabe and Mrs. Miller fanatic. Like, I watch it twice a year. Yeah. You? I, I love it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> But not of it's course. Comfort, I mean, yeah. But people don't. A lot of people don't really know that movie. Really, I feel like it's very um, beloved. No, well, a lot of filmmakers love the look of that movie and would yeah. like to. Um, uh, not that you today would go through the steps to get yeah. the same look of that sure. film, but uh, and also it's kind of the beginning of that sort of sound mixing where yeah. everybody's. Sounds are important. Right, the layers so, of, yeah. of conversation, bits and pieces. Um, How did you see First Cow? Because you know we opened on COVID weekend. I I don't know. I saw it when it came out when it, when it was available for streaming. Mm. I would imagine, and uh, and then I watched it again. Oh. Uh, so I watched it again recently, and I watched McCabe again to the point where I I, I hallucinated. Well, I know Renee. Uh, our, a a bourgeois. A bourgeois is obviously in, in McCabe. He's a huge yeah. part of McCabe, and he's sort of a a, 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 a character in First Cow. Not an important one, but his yes. presence is means something. Yes. But then I thought I saw another guy from McCabe, but it wasn't him. I wonder who that was. Well, I thought no. the guy who played the drunk in McCabe was one of the guys online waiting for donuts, but apparently that guy's no. been dead a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Renee uh, was in this other film. Yeah. We did A Certain Women. That's a great movie. Um, 
Yeah, I loved him. And and I uh, when I am teaching, I would uh, play that bar scene in McCabe. But which one? Uh, the first one where he first comes to town, where he says, "I, I hear that's Pudgy McCabe." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but with no picture, so the kids uh-huh. are just listening to like, and then they have to say what the season is, what the setting is, yeah. what the room is, and they can, you know, get it all. But I, so I have... Without seeing the visual, just right. hearing the audio. So I've, I have Renee's voice so much in my head, you oh, know, and okay. I um, and <laughs> yeah. I just think he's an amazing... He's, to, in that filming, I, I just love his character so much. But I feel that in First Cow, that after I watched both of them again, fairly closely in time, that was your homage and interpretation of yeah. a similar story. Even in right. in look, yes, and I mean they're well, we're building a town of uh, uh, there's a little town that he's in, and there's like four residents, and he's already feeling yeah. like you feel about the leaf blower. He's already yeah. feeling like crunched in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so those have been my experiences, and then when I decide to go back and watch all of your movies, um, I'm watching uh, River of Grass, and I'm like, oh my god, I know that woman. What? That's Lisa Bowman. I I used to live on Second Avenue, oh my or on Second Street between A and B, and she worked at Two Boots, Two Boots Pizza. Pizza. Right. That's <laughs> and so we kind funny. of went on a date or two. Oh my god! So, and that's I don't, hilarious. And I hadn't seen her in forever. I'm like, what the fuck? When did this happen? I mean, when? I guess I wouldn't have really known, but it, it happened years later. I was there, eighty nine to ninety one. All right. Yeah, that was ninety three. Right. So, so how, well, it, yeah. Either way, I was sort of I, like, she she wasn't an actress when I knew her. No, she was. Uh, she was a waitress at Two Boots. And yeah, she was and an, a painter, an artist, an artist a visual yeah. artist, and um, and she runs a gallery out here now. I know she got she, in touch with me when I talked. Oh, about that's it. so funny. Yeah. She, um, I slept on her. Uh, crashed in her little one-room apartment many, many times. Yeah. She was very... Uh, but, yeah, she was a waitress at Two Boots. And, and she little, did the soaps. You remember her art? She oh, was, that's right. I forgot about those. She used to put words on, dirty the, words on the soaps. On the used soaps. I forgot about that. And then that. she did paintings on latex. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I had one of those. That's so funny. It, they, they didn't age well. It got stuck and it de- de- disintegrated. Uh, the materials weren't... I forgot about the soaps. Yeah, the yeah. soaps were kind of clever. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. was kind of a character. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and so yeah, the real um, the real actress uh, felt like bailed when I was on the drive down to Florida to make the movie, and I pulled over to a rest stop yeah. and I called Lisa Bowman from a payphone <laughs> yeah. and said, "Would you uh, could you get two weeks off work and come down here?" She's like, "I don't know, I got to check." Yeah, and from two boots. Did, from two boots, and then she did, and she came. Wild. Yeah. So when you teach a class, do you still teach mm-hmm. like every semester? No, one semester a year. And what's the class called? I teach two classes. One's called Gesture, Light, and Motion, and one's called Script to Screen. And in that class, we uh, the students remake a feature film. Like they each get 10 minutes of it, and yeah. they do it their own way, and then we Frankenstein it together at the end of the semester. Is it it's all from the fun. same film? It's different every semester. Oh, but it's, but one, it's all film. one film. Yeah, it's one film. Oh yeah. wow! Wild. So it's that's a fun class. Is that was your that is that your conception? Yeah. You, so you take a feature film and each you know student gets a piece of it. Ten minutes, and then they cast it however they want, and shoot it however they want, and then we put the whole thing together. Oh at my the god! End. And yeah. you watch it, and we watch it on the last day. But so, where did you like? Where do you come from? How did? Where do you start to desire to make films? Um, I come from Miami, Florida. Really? Yeah. From a cop family, law Cops? enforcement, law enforcement. How was that? How many sibs you got? 
I got a a stat a, a real a full sister yeah. who's two years older. Yeah, lives in Rhode Island, and my dad is Jerry, and my older sister's Terry, and yeah. my sister that's fifteen years younger than me, that's a half sister, yeah. is Carrie, <laughs> and um, and and I have a step brother, and um, and uh, is everyone still around? Everyone is still around. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, in Florida. No, my mother and my stepfather uh, live in the villages in Florida. Oh yeah. And um, my uh, my dad. <laughs> it's like its own my, city. It is. It's I think wild. it's what turned uh, Florida from purple to red. Was the villages? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, but um, and my uh, dear old dad is in Colorado, and um, and yeah. Yeah. Randomly retired. And they were both there. cops? My mother was a undercover narcotics agent. Wow. My stepfather was an FBI agent. My dad was a crime scene detective. Huh. And so, um, anyway, I, you know, I don't know how people know, you know, I was trying to think about this, how you know when um, you just have an idea that you're, like, the main goal is, like, just get out of Florida. Like, sure. I, you have just a sense, like, something is going on somewhere else. Yeah. And I think um, my sister had a boyfriend whose sister used to come visit, and she was from New York. Yeah. And so there was that little— Is your older sister? My older sister, yeah. yeah. And so uh, <laughs> she seemed different than other people, this woman, from girl from New York. Yeah. And then— uh, uh, from Mars, this girl came to our high school, Annika Anderson, and she started going out with my friend Aristotle Pakanakis. And uh, from Mars, from yeah, she well, she was from Sweden, yeah. But you know, she was from Mars to me, like she turned me on to David Bowie, yeah. And she was clearly just going to be in Miami for a minute, yeah. and then she was going to New York, right? And I, uh, so I sort of followed. And she worked on um, when Christo came to wrap the islands sure. in the bay. She volunteered for that and worked on it. And so she took me to the wrap party for that. And I uh, to the wrap of the wrap. Yes. And I and those people were all from. And I was like, oh, I knew it. Something else is going on. And you know, <laughs> well, that's pretty extreme. So, Something else is going yeah. on for it to be like Christo's wrapping of I the know, island. But, but if you're in Miami, it's amazing. And you have no. I had no access to art at all. I mean, I remember uh, Thurston Moore's uh, mom lived in Coral Gables, yeah. and he told me he remembered seeing an ad in the Miami Herald that said, if anybody has heard of The Clash, please call me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was very— But I like that it's Christo because that's so extreme and so mm. provo—it's provocative, but it's massive. And and it's it like and it, and there is no explanation for it. So as no. a young mind, it it, it it is profoundly art yeah. and profoundly huge. But the, you know you have to decide your own meaning and effect. Totally. But it wasn't even that to me the thing. Like I didn't know what to think about the thing. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was beautiful, but right. there was a lot of talk about how bad it was for the birds oh, and the fish. Yeah. But um, but it was that those people at the party. First of all, I can remember I went there and I sat on a couch. I was shy, you know, like um, must have been sixteen yeah. at this time, already on the way out of high school. Like yeah, got you know, didn't make it to the end. But and I, uh, 
I had ne- I didn't understand about the brownies being hash brownies, and that probably added to the feeling yeah, of yeah, like yeah. I'm just sitting there going, "This is just totally different," you yeah. know. Like, uh, but it was that they were all in on something that yeah. was happening. Yeah, and as and as opposed to Florida, Miami, like in the early '80s, which was just like, wow, a real shit show, yeah. drug wise. Absolutely. I mean, well, 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 in terms of your household, given the the nature of the law enforcement, was there menace? Yeah, it was chaos. Yeah, yeah, we, we, were, we were quite a. It, yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, none of the kids graduated. And From high put school? it this way, yeah, yeah, we all got out early. It wasn't. I mean, it got out of the house very yeah. early. Yeah. And so, um, I thought I'd. You know, just got to go to New York. You got David Bowie from the Annika. Annika. From Mars. And then the yeah. Cristo experience. Yeah. And so then I... And you said, oh, your sister's friend from New York. Yeah. yeah. So I... Uh, oh, it takes us a few, a few cool people. older people. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, I got to go. And then I went to New York. Yeah. And Eris, Stottle, Pakanakis, he had a... A guy with the best squatting. name in the world. Yeah. He was squatting. This is my first view of New York. He was yeah. squatting on Avenue C. Oh, my God. And, and what? This is 1982. Oh, yeah. And I, I spent one night there, and I was like, there was no windows. There was like a junkie in the... A, I sleep on the floor, and a rat ran across me. And I was like, I, I can't handle New York. Yeah. I, it's too much. <laughs> and I And I ended up in Boston just because I... Knew there was an empty apartment there. Why? So, How was that? A girl I worked at the clog shop with in Miami. The clog shop. Clog. Clog. Oh, okay. School's clogs. Yeah. yeah. She um she was going to be in Florida for a break, and she was going to BU. So she said you could come stay in my apartment for two weeks, and I went to, oh, to Boston. Life changer. Yeah, I had never seen snow before. It was Christmas break. Was, yeah, I had no clothes for snow. And this is like eighty two. Yeah, 80, at this point, maybe it's 83. Yeah. I can't remember. It's I was there. there. And so um, this is my first night yeah. uh, of my new life. Yeah. I'm sitting there in this apartment. Uh, it's snowing, and I'm looking out the window, and I say, wow, you know, I really want to be a filmmaker. I wonder how you start a new <laughs> – yeah. how do you do this? And um, You some, decided filmmaker that day? I was really into photography, and I wanted to – I don't know what the influence like was shooting? at all. Yeah, I was like you were the school photographer, taking photography and classes. And had you appreciated photography as art? Did you have people you were fans of at that point? I didn't or? know any art oh, at didn't. all. Period. Okay. My dad took a lot of crime scene photos, and yeah. he used to give me the film as soon as it was. Um, so did you grow up looking at crime scene photos? Totally. Yeah, from a very young <laughs> oh, age. No. But uh, but he as soon as the film was uh, yeah. expired, yeah, he would give me the film, and so I had my. Pentex K1000, yeah. and I had gone to, uh, took a class at Miami-Dade Community College, yeah. and took a, a class at Bob Rich Photo Studios slash Porn Shop yeah. uh, in Miami. Yeah. Anyway, so, so you I were was, processing your own stuff? Yeah, and I was thinking, um, well, it'd be cool to, I don't know where the idea of movies came from, actually, but but it would be cool if this to have this stuff moving and you know, like I had a Super 8 camera, so this would be... Uh-huh. And did um, you, like, where are all these photographs? Do you still have them? Have you shown them? Do you show no. them? No. <laughs> I destroyed them out of... Uh, so uh, when I got to Boston, yeah. I'm sitting there in my snow night 
first night of my new life. Yeah. And someone comes to the door and I answer the door and there's like these two people there. I can't make out who yeah. they are. Like shaved heads. And I mean, I never had no punk reference. Oh, it wasn't the Krishnas? No, it they was were, like the the uh, army boots and yeah, uh, Doc Martens. So, so, yeah, in the Salvation Skin Army heads. dresses. And yeah. they, their freezer was broken. They were keeping some meat in the fridge here at yeah. this girl's house. And they invited me over to come eat. Yeah. Spaghetti with them. Right. So I go over to their house and there's a bunch of other people look just like them. Yeah. And they're having this spaghetti <laughs> dinner because they, they want to make an art project for an art party that's happening in May. Yeah. And they all want to make films and none of them know how to make films. And they're trying having this meeting tonight to figure out how they could make this film project. Yeah. And so they just started picking me up every night and taking me to shows and stuff. And yeah. I ended up moving in with them to make these films for them on super eight on super eight so i went so i signed up to night class at mass art so yeah. i could get the camera right and then i ended up using those films to go i ended up at the museum school i just followed some guy to the museum school and uh and which was more of a there? painting school yeah. yeah from the films i had made but i saw um all these fassbender films i yeah. saw all this uh saji ray the, yeah like the birds took me and- forever yeah. and then there was the brattle so then i got to ride my bike to yeah. the brattle over See, in cambridge and that was my film education i'd go to drive my bike to it's a good one though it was great they yeah. knew they would have a different uh double feature like every other night you could just at the brattle at the brattle yeah i went back to boston for like the last with first cow it's and walked around I, I didn't recognize i had nope. no memory i had no, no it's feeling not there anymore. of i couldn't find my locate anything it's not there anymore like Kenmore yeah. is not not what it was. Yeah, you know Kenmore Square was you know it had a thing, yeah. and it's all erased. And Harvard yeah. Square had a thing. It's all erased. I couldn't locate. But that's anything. not you. It's yeah. not okay. it's, it's not like because of you. Okay, I it's thought like literally yeah. the geography has shifted entirely, and there's okay. none of the the kind of grit that was you know. I mean Harvard Square had a bit. But like yeah. you know, the Tasty's gone. The Garage is gone. Like all these places. The Bears. That's gone. I think the Rat. The, the rat's long gone. Right. That, that was that was in Kenmore. Right. I think Middle East is still in Central Square. Right. Maybe. That was yeah. My friend booked that yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Middle East. Yeah. I think that might still be there, but like, I don't know what's happening anymore in the world. But it seems like people our age it was sort of generationally the end of that that kind of rock, that kind of art, that kind of grit is just kind of, and I'm not being yeah. nostalgic or old, old manny. It's just not, it's just it's not, not around. Yeah. It's not there. But it's also that in, uh, when I think back now, yeah. how people do things that obviously I vent- so four years later, I came to New York and uh, I'd met enough people through the music scene to go to New York and know more people yeah. there. But, um, but just that, that you could say, I'm going to go to a city I know nothing about and meet people. And I mean, I got lucky that people showed up at my door. I mean, that's unheard of. But that you could go to the copy shop and sure. find out what was going on yeah. and then go to clubs and yeah. you not knowing anything. Yeah. That you could just say, I'm going to go to this city and start making films and meet people yeah. that are different. And right. that that could happen. Well, you collect the, you know, uh, a skill set and, and uh, you have a sense of, the community that defines you, right? Yeah. So then you kind of find yourself in them one way or the other through people. Right. I yeah. mean, at that point, I don't even think I knew uh, what I, 
I just knew what I wanted to get away from more than I knew what I wanted to. Right, but you were also hanging out with cool people and you made a few movies and you knew the music scene in Boston by virtue of this weird coincidence. And, you know, it kind of like, uh, it seems like, I don't know who you followed to the museum school, but you're, you, you had a, it seemed to be more than just escaping because you had interests. Yeah, I had interests, yeah. yeah. And I made some, uh, that was the beginning of, uh, that was in the day when, um, you know, MTV was desperate for stuff. Yeah. So I like make some Super 8 music videos of my friends yeah. and they played on MTV. They you know, yeah. Like, so, what for who? Do you, oh, these bands, I don't know, uh, Dump Truck? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Miracle Legion. Yeah. Oh, I love Haven. Mark Mulcahy. Yeah, yeah he's the best. Guys. Okay, he's the best. I haven't seen him in. And Dump Truck, I I just met the bass player of Dump Truck, Velasquez. I think his name is. Um, They've had many bass players. Yeah. Oh, they have. Because their bass player, at a time, then became was for a moment Yola Tango's bass player. Okay. Yeah, it's all pretty. Christmas, the band Christmas. I don't know them. They were great. Yeah. They were my roommates. Yeah. They were. Yeah. So you're in that Boston rock scene. I was, yeah, fell into it. And then, uh, well, I had a friend who booked all the bands. Yeah. Bob Lawton. I don't know that guy. He he booked Sonic. Then he went to New York and booked Sonic Youth and a bunch of bands. And I worked for him for a while. It was all a good introduction to stuff. So Anyway, that's my story. Well, when do you you put together, like, how do you conceive of the first film, the first feature? I went back to Florida and uh, just wrote it. And oh, I worked on a bunch of indie films. And I thought, In New oh. York? Yeah. Like, what, what year indie um, are we talking? Indie, uh, Hal Hartley, Nick Gomez. But the one that I was really into is I worked on Poison. Oh, that's great. Todd Hayes? Yeah. And so then I became good friends with Todd's then partner, editor Jim Lyons. And the Poison then, was a life changer for me. It was a real life changer for me. That was the one that had different parts. Like there was a horror yeah. part and then there was a, a there was the like video three part, parts. The kid goes out the window. Yeah. And then there's the third part is uh, the Janae. Uh, right. Oh, it, that's the right. prison. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I worked in the art department and that was um, super and met a lot of people and we all that was the first thing I we worked on we were just like oh we're making something that New. matters yeah. and is great and you know Todd's our leader and um so that was the brain changer that was a big brain changer and I was like oh then I worked on some ones I didn't care about so much I was like this is a lot of work why don't I do work towards my own thing yeah um and so I went down and uh to Miami and uh yeah, and and yeah, with a boyfriend at the time, and we wrote, and we tried to write, and we ended up in Nashville for some reason, and then got back to New York and decided to do our own things. And I, yeah, I wrote this script and for River of Grass. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that was my learning experience of um, all of River of Grass. I mean, River of Grass. I felt that made on on every level like well learning. i realized like when i watched it you know yeah. next to Aldra, i'm like oh she's figuring this out i didn't even i mean i'd been watching a lot of films at that point right. but i hadn't made a film i didn't really know my lenses yeah and i had no idea really what uh i i learned about sexism <laughs> you did totally well i mean it's a, yeah. a, like the movie is a take on right. the road movie yeah right. the murder yeah. road movie Right. right. The, with a, a sort of 
sense of humor in, until the right. end to to, yeah. to agree. And it's still a funny ending, but yeah. it's a surprising ending. That was a changed ending. That ending was like, um, it wasn't supposed to end that way. That ending was like me, like, shooting the dudes on my crew. Really? Um, yeah. So, oh, like, like, what happened? How'd you learn about it was sexism? Just, uh, the you DP, the whole, like, you know, you, you just... lead? Uh, correct. Because, right. It was, uh, it was just, um, uh... Yeah, there was it was impossible to claim the power. Yeah. And um and you know, and I learned a lot of lessons like, oh, you can't go onto a film set and not know your lenses. Right. Like you know, I got I knew what homework I needed to do when I left that film. And then um and then Larry Pheasant and cut it, we cut it in his uh apartment yeah. on I mean it was a one to one take on everything. And we uh in uh, Larry and Lisa were the saving grace in that film for me because they were so awesome. And, okay, we did a one-light transfer to three-quarter-inch video without time code. Yeah. So every time... What does that mean? Meaning, like, you couldn't look anything up by a number. So right. every time you wanted to go, you'd go through all the footage, which would be like back in the day going through the steam back. And then Larry... I was learning how to edit. He was basically teaching me about sound design. Yeah, and, and this is before Avids, so it was. Oh yeah, different. this yeah. is a three-quarter inch old video machine. So every time you make a change, you kind of have to keep re-outputting. You're losing a generation like all the time. Yeah. It's falling apart and right. falling apart. <laughs> yeah, and then we ended up sending that to Sundance. Incredibly. Yeah, and uh, we were uh, go fish. Uh, Rose Trichet and I were the two women out of the 16 films that got in. And um, and then Larry the, matched the video cut back by eye to film? the film. I mean, it was so—and then we took a train out to Sundance because we couldn't afford to fly out there. And then, and then that was brutal. I mean, it was—I mean, Sundance was—it wasn't Sundance's fault. It was just a—the uh, indie world was not— um, it wasn't a world friendly. yet, right? It was a world, and it was a boy's world. It was, you know, clerks, and um, right. uh, it was not friendly, I yeah. mean, was my take on it. Um, and uh, and then and then whatever. Then it was like a decade before I get the next thing going. Is that true? Yeah, it's like 12 years. Oh, so, really? Years. So yeah. what were you doing in the interim? Trying to get films made. And, 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 and River of Grass, did it make it, did it make an impact at Sundance? Yeah, it got, um, it got, it didn't sell, but it got some good reviews. Yeah. And then it got sold for a dollar to Strand Releasing. And the guy from Strand Releasing called me up and said, hey, I just want you to know, I don't really like your movie, but Good Machine would only sell it to me, sell me, uh, Lodge Kerrigan's film if I bought your film too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, great. So they made one print. Yeah. It opened, premiered at the Public Theater in New York. They forgot to send the print on opening night. Yeah. And then um, uh, just not much happened. Like they Disappeared? didn't. It, it got one good. Print? It got good. It got good press. Yeah. But it was one print that was kicking around and it was getting more and more destroyed at every screening. <laughs> no. And, um, and it was just, it was hostile, you know. It was, uh, you know, there was like this book that came out with uh, this dude who was a big deal at the time. And he, uh, 
him and the clerks got, you know, like River of Grouse was an example of like, if you only, this is a film that should have never been made, was the, what they write about in the book. Really? Like, it looks like it was shot on a postage stamp, they say. I actually think it's a good looking film. It does uh, look Oscilloscope good. recently restored it with a bunch of help from other people, um, which I'm really grateful for. And, um, but it taught, so I spent the next, I couldn't get something made after that. What and were you doing? Pitching? You had scripts or what? You, how I never knew how to pitch. I came out to LA. Jodie Foster was going to produce something. Yeah. She had a thing with egg pictures. And yeah. she was, but I mean, in those days, like I came out here and you'd go to a meeting and yeah. there's no hiding it. People would go, like, oh, we don't do women's films. And it was supposed to star, I wanted Alfre Woodard in the, and yeah. like, double negative, like a black woman with a woman. Like, we just don't do, nobody hid anything. Everybody, everything was like out in the open. They like, just yeah, say that to your face. Totally. We're not, we don't do women's films. Yeah. Women, not, like in terms of thematic or women making? All of it. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a beat down. So I went back to New York and at this point, you know, you had, I had this feeling like if you give something up, you know, if I put everything into this, give up the apartment, yeah. the boyfriend, the sell every, all your records, you know, like I'm all, and I'm just couch hopping at this point. Yeah. And um, I know a lot of bands, so they go on tour and I stay in their place or I stay in the back of this beauty salon or I stay <laughs> in my friend's furniture shop with yeah. all the fumes. Night by night, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. And I thought, well, this, until I get my film made. And then, uh, that went on for five years, and then the my friends, the intervention came, and we're like, "You have to get a place to live. Like you're <laughs> becoming a nut." So, um, uh, I, I heard John McEnroe once on Letterman go yeah. like, "Oh yeah, if you have an art gallery in New York, all it's good for is people come and eat the food." And we used to like by clockwork. Lisa Bowman and I yeah. would wait every Wednesday. We'd go to his opening, and we'd just go there to eat. Any opening. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the art. It was totally like, they got vegetables. <laughs> um, so then I just kept working. I went back to Super 8. How'd you, but, yeah, but how'd you end up in Portland? Todd. Todd Haynes. Yeah. So I went back to just working yeah. in Super 8, and I started teaching, which adjuncting. I started the— Teaching what? Film huh. off of River of Grass, this, but just an adjunct. This is what, you know, shortly after your friends told you to get a place to live? Yeah. Yeah. And I was working, all, I worked in like the Kino mailroom. Yeah. Some people let me be part of their office. So I had a place to be during the day and I had a <laughs> filing cabinet with all my stuff in it. But then at night, the plate, the office was someone else had it at night. So yeah. I had to find, scurry around at night. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, so, and I was working sometimes for my friend who books bands. I was just like patching it together, yeah. but it wasn't happening. So I kept. Um, Is that where you met Tom? Sharpling? Yeah, that's right. That's where yeah. I met Tom. So I, uh, yeah, Tom was the only person that like, who come in. Like he, he was so impressed that I made River of Grass. Yeah. So, I, so I was like, oh yeah, this guy. He's like, <laughs> he's a good ally. He's a good, yeah, totally. He's excited. Um, yeah. So I like. It ended up that I liked teaching. Yeah. I liked doing this, and so I just went back to Super Eight, and I I tried my hand at being like a non-narrative filmmaker, which. I'm not. Just the uh, doing the art film I pure, could, yeah. I pure how, kind of like a... Just, I tried to get away from story, but yeah. I, it was, I just, I made some bad films trying, but I, in what, the meantime... Was there like, just like, did you do any of that kind of like just color, you know, just colors? Not, a, not exactly Who am I thinking that. of? It's not Kenneth Anger. Who was the other big experimental filmmaker who just... There's only like who, like Brockage or yeah, something? Brackage. Well, he's like, like yeah, a, you, you know, do, he's like, the we, man. No, man, I, could, I couldn't, I, not, nothing, um, <laughs> too embarrassing to talk yeah, about. Yeah. But uh, 
I uh, but there was this uh, woman who uh, worked at Post Three Nine One on the West Side, yeah. and it's expensive place to cut. And at night, she would let all the people that couldn't pay in, like yeah. Jim Cohen was in a room, and I was in a room, and all these, and we would just get out by the morning. Yeah, and um, so anyway, I just kept working, and I learned how to edit. edit right. Yeah, and um, and then. Really, my great aunt passed away, and she left me thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So I saw I can make a film. So I, um, uh, I had gone out to visit Todd yeah, in where, Portland because yeah. he left New York and went to Portland. I was visiting him, and I met John Raymond, and I. He's the guy that has collaborated with right, you on many movies. Right. A writer. Writer. Yeah. And so I, I did when I came back. I was doing a cross-country drive with my dog and I was taking Route 50 across the country and I was doing the, um, it's like the last two-lane highway you could take across the country. Wow. And I I was re, I was doing, I was going to go retrace the In Cold Blood. This is before all the In Cold Blood movies were yeah. made. And so and so I went out to Kansas and I was reading John's novel on the way and when yeah. I got to Kansas, I was in the motel room. I finished his novel and I said, wow, I really love the way this oh, guy joy. writes. No, no, it was a novel. It was called The Half-Life, which eventually became First Cow. Part oh, wow. Of it. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. But I oh, I love the way this guy writes about, it's like so open and uh, it's about friendship and just people and how they work in their environment. So I wrote him a letter and I said, do you have any short stories? Because I'm, you know, I just figured I was just going to make a short. Right. You know, and uh, he sent me, uh, I said, anything that's all outside because I don't have any lights. And so... <laughs> And um, and he sent me Old Joy, and so I turned, and that was in a, came in a collection of photos of Justine Curlins that were beautiful I know her, photos. too. She used to work at Aggie's. Oh, is that on, was that on Aggie's? That, on on Houston. Houston? Yeah. Okay, for like a month, I've been trying to remember the name of that place. Really? And we, I've just asked everybody, and no one can remember the place. Yeah. Aggie. I kept thinking Alice. Yeah, she, remember Aggie owned the place. Yeah, she was Justine. Worked there as a waitress and oh used to God. ride her bike around the Lower East Side. You know, we became friends for a minute, but it didn't, I don't know, it didn't really end well. And, but I ran into her not too long ago sitting outside of the Bowery and I'm like, Justine Crow, and she, like, I, she, she kind of remembered me. Such a good me. photographer. She's a great photographer. Yeah, I really. And if she was a kid when I knew her, we were both kids. I was living yeah. on having you know, second between A and B. Yeah. Yeah, and just wandering around. Yeah. Yeah, she used to live she down on Delancey. Be, she used to do the cross country a lot too, and we'd both be out at the road at the same time. So her photographs inspired you a bit. Um, I really loved them, yeah. but the story was uh, what like her photos weren't something I could, uh, you know. But right. I loved them, and right. um, and and I and I liked John's story, and so I made a script out of that. Yeah, and um, and then. Out of I, old joy. Out of old joy, and that, and I just thought it would be a short, and everyone kind of agreed to give me two weeks. And yeah. So that was I had that's who how much money I in so Portland. I, in Portland, I mean, I scouted hot tubs all over the country, yeah. and then I ended up writing it for the place John wrote it for it, in Bagby. So Will Oldham and all. So wait, are you in that movie? Your voice because I put Air America in old joy in in old joy. It's on no, the radio. I don't think so. It's some I forget who it is. It might be Randy. Was it a woman? It wasn't Randy. And it wasn't Al Franken? It wasn't Al was Franken. Was it Mike Malloy? I can't remember Sam who Cedar? I used. It wasn't, I don't think it was Sam. I can't remember who it was. Interesting. I used to listen to Air America chronically. Yeah, I, so. I don't know that I made it in there. So I would have heard. Yeah, 
I well, made it into Six Feet Under once. Right. They yeah. well, there's Air, Amer- Ode, Air American Old Joy. Anyway, yeah. So I made that night. Everyone said oh, I'll give you two weeks, and I thought I had made a 50 minute Super 8 film, and I thought maybe this would be like another. Yeah. I didn't know if it would be a feature or what it would be. It was just like an art project. Yeah. And then it ended up going to Sundance and like sort of opened the door back up for me. To... Well, yeah, but see, it seems to me that like coming from like I, I in watching all the movies that you have a sense of of space, yeah. you know, visually and dialogue wise that is really unique and it's it's hard to hold it. And you do it every time. It's clearly where you come from. You're not trying to do anything else. Yeah. It's 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 sort of a pure expression somehow, and you know I talked to uh, I was talking to uh, Karina Longworth, the film historian, the other day about that scene in Old Joy, and I and I'm uh, and I'm now rethinking it, you know because like I was talking about you, which I have been a lot lately. Thank you. Yeah, that's nice. People <laughs> and, keep texting me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is it all seeing hearing the same show? Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I I said to her I said that scene in the hot tub, and I think that. W- my experience with it, and the reason why, you know, after seeing the trailer for the new movie, you know, that I kind of went on this rabbit hole journey with your stuff, you know, after watching Old Joy, is that if you're of a certain age, which we are, yeah. you know, the character, Will Oldham's character is is not an unusual character. Correct, yeah. And, and you know, it's something that every group of people has that guy. For sure. And uh, and it's unique to a time, you know. It's a it's a post hippie, you know, searching loser that yeah. you know is is not. Well, I, I don't necessarily want to say the word loser, but a lost person. Yeah, like we, well, everyone is sort of, well, even myself, like sure. with not like cow chopping into my whatever through my thirties. Yeah, like my friends, like you know, it's. You know, or like if you drink too long, sure. you know, you like yeah. you, you go from like being the partier to like, OK, now today you're an alcoholic. Right. You're an alcoholic. <laughs> Whatever it is. And, and also uh, everyone, everything has moved on. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. like because there's that there's a, that whole hot tub scene. All of mm-hmm. it is great. But yeah. that moment where he's telling that story about the coincidence of the, the woman or I, it was just some story that was completely yeah. kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, a kind of circuitous you know, like yeah. it's beyond coincidence, man. Kind of. That's nothing. Will's making that story up, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just had that experience in Portland, so he's yeah. right. But it's like yeah. it is the way those guys talk. It, yeah. It's this weird world of the mind yeah. that they have in, invested a lot of importance in yeah. as as being mystical and elevating of themselves. But it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and and in and in talking about that, there there that seems to be sort of a through line because in the best case mm. scenario, you know those. Those types are going to end up uh, in showing up. Yeah. <laughs> well, they in also like we we screened it the other night and um, old joy. Someone, yeah, old joy. And someone was pointing out in the audience like you can't get lost. Like that film couldn't happen because you can't get lost anymore. Is that true? Yeah. Well, you have your phone. It will tell you where true. to go. I guess that's like, true. Because yeah. there's no getting lost. Like that's yeah. true. Yeah. But the, mm-hmm. but the whole hot tub scene. Like the moment where, you know, he goes to massage his friend. Mm-hmm. I guess that, you know, you can put on that whatever you're going to put on that. There is a moment of menace yeah, yeah. where you're like, what is happening? But for me, the moment that was really profound was the the bliss of, in the face of that guy, the yeah. married guy. Yeah, and yeah. you seem to want to project onto him like he's realizing his responsibility in his place in life and, and also mm-hmm. the beauty of it. 
Yeah, it's, you know, when um, when Todd first moved out to, and you, this is a conversation you wouldn't have anymore either. Yeah. But when he first moved out to Portland and he met all these people, this painter, Storm Tharp, who great friends within his work is in uh, showing up, and yeah. um, John Raymond and all these people. He met yeah. all these new people. And he would call back to New York and he just is ecstatic about all these new guys yeah. he met. Yeah. And I'd be like... Uh, Anyway, I don't want to hear about his new great life that wasn't in New York. I wanted him to come back to New York. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'd be like, well, are they straight or are they gay? Like, what are they? And he'd be like, it's not like that out here. And um, which is funny thinking back now how much times have changed, yeah. you know. Meanwhile, all those guys are, uh, you know, part, you know, John has kids, he's married, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, or he's whatever, has a partner. Um so in when I was making Old Joy in the hot, I was trying to get across this. I mean, this is such an old-fashioned idea already, but it's in the moment I was trying to get my head around this idea of what Todd was experiencing, saying, like, no, it's not like New York. Like, everybody's uh, can be who they want to be. Huh. And in in Daniel and Will, the actors were into that idea Though when that moment came in the tub to be physically affectionate with each other, like, they were two straight guys, yeah. you know, and um, getting, like, uptight with me, like, what are we doing here anyway? It's freezing. We're yeah. going to get sick oh, yeah. and all this. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. this isn't about this other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so there's a lot going on in that scene yeah. that was coming to it that I wasn't even planning on well, being Well, that's what there. I like about yeah. it. Because like I started to realize in that moment about your filmmaking is that you're not, and, and I've talked to other mm. directors about this, is that it's not your job to answer these questions mm. or, or even to explain your intent. I mean, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to sort of frame it in that they were ultimately uncomfortable with, with the prospect of, of intimacy yeah. or, or physicality mm. with each other is that they somehow managed something yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and and in the context of the story, it seemed to, you know, be pretty honest to both of their characters. I think so. Yeah. And and because, like, you know, there is a moment there where you do think Will's going to kill him. Yeah. And, and there's also uh, a moment where, but for me. That's that, that shot of the hand. I don't know if I would do that again. It's funny. Justine Curlin saw the film and she was like. Can't believe you put that shot of the hand in there. Oh, um, really? Because she thought was, it was cheating? Too much. Too nah. much. Yeah. And I and like the whole time I make that film, I'm like, is anybody going to get what, you know, I'm going to crack, make the sound of it. They would be, the guys would be like, is this even about anything? I'd be like, don't worry, I'm going to, there's going to be a, a, a stick cracking here in the soundtrack and that's going to get yeah, it. Yeah. And like, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I think it was before that, you know, where he's yeah. just laying there, where they're both yeah. laying there and you, you. You, because of the way he set up the characters, that that Will yeah. was kind of spinning his own yarn in his dumbstoned head, mm -hmm. and it seemed to me that that the other guy, what's his name, uh, Mark, Mark yeah. was was having some sort of revelation about you know the beauty of his life, right? Or just yes, yeah, settling into it and right. um, just settling into it, like okay, yeah. this is a time with my wacky friend, and I mean the way, but Ruth, also like I'm yeah. I'm, I'm going to have uh, a kid, yeah, I'm going to have a kid, yeah. You like, know. this isn't my life. Like, this is just for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not this yeah. anymore. Yeah, I'm not And this. it's okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Because the way you end that movie, it was sad and devastating. But, like, you know, it's like you said, it's like there comes a point where those guys, the guys who were the Neil Cassidy's of the crew, yeah. you know, just— <laughs> 
turn out, you know, like Neil Cassidy. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. wandering on a railroad uh, track, counting, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I wonder what the version of that is today or will be, you know, because uh, uh, there'll always be that people guy. that there'll always Maybe. be people I don't that know if... can't quite get a grip on it. Sure, it, but I know? don't know if that the social the social circles are quite the same as they were. No, they're you know, not. Like, There's it, a different version of it, I'm sure. There must about, be. Yeah. You know, like the guy that I knew, you know, not in college, but after, like, you know, the, the guy that I knew, he just, uh, who was that guy, you know, became sort of a, a very active alcoholic uh, who learned to live yeah. with it. He did a commercial. He bought a farm in Nebraska and he married a woman, and they're out there, you know, trying to grow vegetables and sell them at the farmer's market, and he's a full-on anti-Semite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Right. It's something about farming, I guess. Right. <laughs> it just went to, I don't know. But that's yeah. what happened to that guy. Well, that guy that Will uh, gives money to at the end, um, that guy was, you know, said he was a basketball player at some time, and yeah. he had just— uh, you know, was trying to get money to get the rest of his teeth pulled out. You know, wow. it was just like that was um, a real guy. That was a real guy. Yeah. So Wendy and Lucy, was that based on your experience driving cross country with your dog? Um, I would like to say no. I mean, you know, I had this dog that um, she was great, but she could never be alone. So that's how she ended up in Old Joy. And I, oh, that that's, was your dog. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I ended up always <laughs> driving cross country because I. Yeah. And so then we just rode her apart in, uh, um, Wendy and Lucy, and I was a little afraid, you know, the road trip again. And I had done River of Grass, but John was uh, feeling, um, you know, he he was John confident. Raymond. Yeah, he 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 wrote it as a short story first. Wendy and Lucy. Yeah, and and then I was sort of working on the script like right behind him and. I think the ending of the script ends up being the ending he uses in the short story. But, yeah, he was um, – I had some hesitancy about it. But, uh, like, I'm not I, I'm not uh, Wendy. I wasn't going to, um, you know, go work in a uh, – I wasn't going to go to Alaska and yeah. work in a factory, well, fishery. Right, which I've known people that have done that. Many. Yeah. Uh, those are real people. Yeah, those are real people. And then sure. Will shows up in the weird bonfire. That's the other crew, the strange squatters by the railroad. And those kids were like never that was not a fun night. Those no. those kids are all just like drug addicts. Give us the money to yeah. we're here and give us the money. Oh really? Um yeah, that you said you'd give us. Yeah. We'll sit here for ten more minutes. Yeah. So it was they a were, little menacing. They were the those are the kids that you know, Justine after she saw the move, she was like, I'm gonna go find kids like that and shoot those kids or whatever yeah. and she was just like, yeah, uh, yeah. She she did, and she made some beautiful pictures. But she's like, oh my god, those kids are like, you know, hard, um, right? hard really yeah. hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was interesting again with the because of the space you leave, and I and I don't I don't know how you decide your timing. It's a feeling, right? Yeah, I think everyone just has a clock. Yeah, but you, you know, towards the end of that movie, and then in retrospect, you know, thinking back on Wendy and Lucy, you know, she. You, you know, there's a sweetness to her character, and it, it isn't sympathetic character. But at some point, you realize that you know she has real problems. Yeah, and and that you don't know what the source of those problems are, but but yeah. it's pretty awful. Yeah, and and then you know to end on a train. Yeah, like you know, fucking five easy pieces or something. Yeah, where he just climbs into a lumber truck. Right. Yeah. You know, like it, you know, you're not you're not thinking like that's going to be okay. No, that's not going to be okay. <laughs> No, 
it's good she left the dog behind because it's not going to be okay. It isn't. No, she's making a lot of not good decisions, and um, because she can't, but she, she can't. can't. Yeah, she and that was the time in you know the conversation uh, in those Bush years was so um, hostile towards the uh, you know you remember those years of just. Uh, like, you know, the whole pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Yeah. And if you can't, as if everyone's equipped to do that. And, yeah. And everyone's not equipped to do that. Yeah. You know? and, and, and sometimes the version of doing that is horrendous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, that's interesting. So you felt, you felt that that was a reaction to that? I did. I mean, not the, I mean, once we're making the movie, we're yeah. concentrating on our characters sure. or whatever. But that was the vibe at the time was so like... It was so mean, uh, and 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 people responded to the film in a really, um, you know. I remember one of my uh, dad's cop friends yeah. that I grew up with said, uh, "Good for Kelly. Wendy can go fuck herself." Wow, and, you he know, misunderstood it, everything. Yeah, but that was that was a um, response. Yeah, I thought it was like I find the endings now as you you're moving through these movies. Are you are you picking up? Is it easier for you to finance movies? It was, you know, um, uh, well, Kino, who I worked in their mailroom, they put out Old Joy, and that was really great. And, I mean, every one, I'm just like, okay, this is the last one. We're getting sure. another chance to, yeah. you know. And Wendy and Lucy was made on an insanely small budget. I yeah. mean, Michelle Williams being in it was crazy. She loved um, you, though. Yeah, and she came and just, you know, we had nothing for her. She sat on an apple <laughs> box on the side of the road. And then it was like, hey, pick up your apple box. we got to go over here, you know. It was yeah, like yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then, and then Meeks, I really thought, okay, that's the end. Like nobody's, you can't even see anybody's face. We're using these big bonnets, but we went all out on it and used oxen and these big, and I was just like, all right, this is. But what's interesting really is that it. it was within the possibility of what you could do. I mean, the reason why it was so effective is you didn't have to build a fucking town. I didn't have to build a town, but we didn't have enough money to make that film safely. Like we would not do that again. Right. It was we pushed people too far. It was first of all, oxen are really dangerous. There's a reason people don't use them. They're bulls. <laughs> they like run through your set all of a sudden, and they don't move backwards. So you have to always be shooting forward. So what? what who was that? Another John Raymond story? Yeah, and he had gotten um, some kooky job to go out and um, there was going to be a new development in the middle of the desert. Yeah. He got this job where you're supposed to go out and name all the things like the playground and the oh, this oh, and the that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so. Um, uh, Thunder Egg golf course or whatever yeah, it was. Right. And so when he was out there, he found the story of Stephen Meek, and uh, which was, you know, a real guy who took 200 wagons into the desert. And he, and we had, we-, we Did sp- they survive? Some of them did. And some of them, we, we shot right where they were. Like we found a little gravestone of a little girl out there. She was, I mean, it's, we shot way out in the high desert. With your where, oxen. And Paul With Dano and, uh, and Kazan. And, um, yeah, they were fine. But, yeah. like, bringing Bruce Greenwood out into the—some people weren't fine. Is, you know, it was yeah. really hard. It was Greenwood uh, plays meek. Right. It was, like, 110 degrees until it was freezing. And it, it was never anything in between. And it's rattlesnake country. And it's just like— Well, you're saying this like you like you, you surprised yourself. or like you, I, do, I had no idea what it was going to be like. I mean, it was— You made the movie. I, I but I, what did I know? I, I mean, to the you last just wanted day, the bonnets to look right. <laughs> I wanted I wanted that landscape. I had scouted out there 
it, you know, I got introduced to that high desert just driving around looking for Wendy and Lucy. It was in, where is it? Mon- where, where is no, it? it's in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. And, uh, and I wanted, and that's where the, I mean, we found pieces of barrel and stuff from the original wagon train. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, everything is sharp. Every plant is sharp. Everything, there's rattlesnakes, and then there's little insects that sound like rattlesnakes. So it will make you crazy. Yeah. But then when the actors get there, they're like, you quit thinking about the rattlesnakes. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, my God, this guy's, this guy's going to kill me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out in the desert. Um, but it was, it was, it was very, um, I used up too too much time. Well, I'm why more, that story? I mean, like, you know, out of, you know, it's, it's a Western. Well, we had so, just gone into Iraq yeah. following George Bush into yeah. the desert. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a, a story about a leader and you didn't know if he was full of shit or like they really didn't know had he. He was taking these pioneers across the desert. Right. And he found a shortcut. So yeah, he claimed to know. Yeah. And he, um, but he was a bullshitter and people left, there's diaries from the pioneers and some people thought he had misread his own map yeah. and it was an accident and other people thought this is just this is a real he guy. just has no yeah. idea what he's doing so um they so they were following someone and then they come across the indian and uh and that's the person they want to get help from but they don't trust him and uh, they don't speak the same language as him. They want his help, but they're completely suspicious of him. But they don't see that they have a choice. They don't see that they have a choice, but they also don't think anything of him is a uh, human. <laughs> well, well, but I think that's the funny thing about the, the nature of, of white entitlement yeah. in a weird way is that they're put in this. They assume on some level, no matter how much they distrust him, that he's going to be yeah, no totally. better than Meek, yeah. who they've grown to believe doesn't know what the fuck is happening. Right. And just by virtue of the fact that they're white and, and this uh, indigenous person has to know where the water is, that yeah. they, they, they and, and then the guy just leaves. Yeah. Then in our <laughs> mind too, like, you know, not that this is in the film, but in yeah. our mind, he's like, he's lost. You know, he's like, um, but he seems out almost, on a dream quest right. and like, he you seems know, he's mentally in his own, ill in a way. He's, he's just like out on his, um, trippy way and right. um so yeah he doesn't have the uh well you know that's like all to be decided upon the viewer but yeah the idea was what you they, know, like that like they're left there after they lose a wagon and yeah. one of them i think dies right and yeah. Meek, what happens to Meek? does he i can't remember does he he kind of throws in the hat like he, he throws he, in he, the hat he, he sort of says it's all uh you know, this is written before we got here. It's destiny. It's you know? destiny. And, yeah. you know, so he, you know, he doesn't take blame. Yeah. And then they're all standing there and then the indigenous guy just splits. Yeah. And they, <laughs> and then, um, well, the, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, <sighs> it's, uh, I love that the was a, it's pretty, cause thanks. it's one of those movies. Cause you know, I used to do a joke about that, uh, uh, about, you know, the type of movie where everyone walks out. Says so like, did you, did you understand what, what happened at the end? Do you know what happened at the end? Well, you know, like the ending in the script never worked for me, and uh-huh. I was like, John, the ending doesn't work. Yeah. And he's like, it's fine. And I'm like, no, listen, I'm out here in the desert, and yeah. I'm telling you, the ending doesn't work. I'm, I, and you know, he's home. <laughs> the ending that's in the movie. Yeah, it, it, no, no, oh, uh, in in, in the movie. script, and and so you know, John's like at home with his cat. Yeah, yeah. he's like, it's it, you're, you're going to be fine. I'm like, I don't so. Every, so everything built up, and there was so much to do and so much to think about. And in my mind, I'm like, ah, this, this 
what Zoe Kazan's character says, it, it's not going to work here. And But then finally, we saved the last scene to the last day of shooting. Yeah. And I'm losing the the actors and the oxen. I'm, no one is staying one minute, one hour <laughs> later than is. And I've got, and the how are we going to get this all done in one day? Yeah. But I've got it all timed out, but I have misjudged that the sun, I'm going to lose the sun like an hour earlier because there's a mountain. Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap you know yeah. so i said to myself well i just hope zoe doesn't ask me about these lines because i can't tell her what they mean but maybe she knows what they mean you know against yeah. anything you'd ever sure. teach and you know like breaking all so we it's freezing and zoe's been in the camper the whole day and she gets out to the spot and she's like everything we're working like the crew is killing it we're just keeping yeah. it like let's go zoe's like i don't know what these lines mean they don't make any sense to me and by this time, like, the actors have had it with me in the yeah. whole thing, right? And yeah. so, um, uh, you know, the guys who want to kill me anyway, because they haven't been getting any close-ups the whole movie. Yeah. You know, the women are getting all the close-ups, yeah. and they really want to kill me. And so they say, you know, Zoe, this is what it's all about. Just take your time, you know? And I'm like, uh, she says, Kelly, I know you're, not, you're just looking at the sun. You're not even thinking about what I'm saying. And I'm, no, you know, I'm listening. And, uh, you know, I'm just... Uh, and so Paul Dano ends up taking some of the lines. Yeah. and um, But the discussion of the whole thing, and she was right. They, it didn't, she wasn't wrong. and But this working it out, the sun went down. I lost the sun. And I went back without the ending of the movie. And I cut the whole film. I didn't have an ending. And I didn't. I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. No, I'm never getting those animals again. Yeah. And I've shot part of the scene with the animals with all these actors, and I, what am I going to do, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I could usually count on Todd for some kind of, like, positive, and I show him, the, and I said, like, I really don't. He's like, yeah, you don't have an ending. You're, you're screwed. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, like, so Michelle and Rod Rodeau, who plays the Indian, yeah. agree to go back. It's a different season. So I have no animals and two actors. Yeah. And that, and I shot, the close-up of Michelle through the tree and Rado walking away. And I had to just re... It was... I, I cut the whole movie. I didn't have an ending. And so I, I, I went back out and I did it with that ending with the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Of him walking away and her right. looking. So that, that that's was the it? ending. Yeah. And someone sent the uh, the <laughs> DVD back to Oscilloscope with a note and said, this film, my DVD didn't have an ending on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was one of those endings where right. you're like, but but ultimately, to me, what it meant was yeah. like the ultimate fuck you. Totally. Or, or these Not to are the, the audience, choices. Where the indigenous guy was like, yep. good luck. Or are they going to follow them? I mean, the thing is, we all know how the story ends, ultimately. The big story of uh, the people Manifest going west. Yes, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Um, well, I liked it. I liked the ending. So then, like... After that movie, because it looks like Night Moves had, took a little more money. Yeah. Well, yeah. But Night uh, Night Moves, that was a hard one. Um, they were also hard, but Night Moves. Was, Jesse Eisenberg, Dakota yeah, Fanning, Peter Sarsgaard. It came Sarsgaard. together, and, it, like, I couldn't get it going. And um, Who wrote that? Was that John? John and I did. Yeah. And um, and he, he had some, uh, he and his partner have friends that own this uh farm in the Applegate Valley, uh, Southern Oregon. 
And he would call me from the farm and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe what's going on down here. Just like getting caught up in all the small politics of the farm. Environmentalism. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's about eco-terrorists. Yeah. And it's uh, – but there was, you know, the cheese license and all these things going yeah. on. And so so he brought me down there and started introducing me to the farm. And But it was this incredible farm where these people were really trying to live without as tiny a footprint as possible. Yeah. Rainwater gets captured in the right. reservoir and yeah. they grow their own food and yeah. they have solar power and don't use cement or metal to build their houses. It's all... And uh, this year they're selling it because uh, there's no rain. They can't work the farm anymore. It's dried out. Like, wow. Yeah, really sad ending to it. But anyway, that was uh, that was a whole excursion. Well, I um, mean, where'd the plot? To, who did? Like, was it a total fiction? The idea, the plot to blow up the dam. Yeah, we wanted to do a film about a fundamentalist. Yeah, like fundamentalist thinking, and it just seemed too easy to do about a right winger. Yeah, so we were. Um, and I'd been reading a ton about the ELF and just really uh, so many interesting stories with those kids getting just – and there were people – ELF. The uh, environmental life uh, – who were like blowing up the Hummers and stuff right. and oh, all yeah. those kids who yeah, got yeah. – um, uh, you know, it was after 9-11 yeah. and they weren't catching any terrorists. Oh, yeah, so yeah. these these kids became yeah. the terrorists that they caught. Mm. And they were – Blew up a car lot. Blew something. up a car lap, blew up a library, blew up, uh, let some uh, minks go yeah. into the wild. <laughs> but um, people, nobody actually got hurt, though they did screw up a few things. They did blow up the wrong library and things like that. Um, but they, um, but they got, you know, these are like twenty-year-olds getting life sentences sure. on terrorism. Yeah. Um, but so we we made we made it about a fundamentalist would be someone that you could relate to the cause right and um, but that's still you know not such a good idea to blow stuff up maybe. but also like you know the thinking the 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 radicalized mind right completely with no um, just no subtlety and no right um, and that's Jesse Eisenberg. yes that's Jesse Eisenberg you know and oddly he's dealing with. Skarsgård's, uh, you know, kind of like, um, you know, cynical, war-wizened yes. practicality and then, you know, the naivete of Dakota Fanning's character. Right. And what they weren't preparing for was conscience yeah. in relation to an accidental death in their act of terrorism. Right. Like the planning has so much, um, there's so much to think about and so much to do. Yeah. But they didn't really totally think about the aftermath of not, like, b getting disapproved of by right. the people in their own community. That, they're fight that they they're, thought they were yeah. fighting for. Yeah. Who would say good things yeah. about them. Right. right. That they, and, um, and just the weight of, and they weren't expecting uh, anyone to get hurt. That's right, yeah. And so, well, that film was hard. The, um, the environmentalists were not happy with us because, you know, someone did get hurt and they would make the case that, um, you know, they're, they got enough on their hands and oh, they, then to be um, characterized like that. Yeah. But again, you know, a question of ending. Yeah. Which is, you know, after, like, I don't want to spoil all these movies cause I would assume people would want to see them after we talk about them, but you know, it's almost like 
you know, crime and punishment. It's like Raskolnikov, yeah. right? It's We it, thought a lot about crime and punishment, yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah. So that's 2013. So you're doing like one every few years. Yeah, now I'm trying to make up for lost time. Well, Certain Women, like, is, is again, uh, that's 2016. Now, did how are you funding all these movies? Um, these are, uh, I've had the, since Old Joy, I've had the same two producers, okay. partners, Neil Coppin and Yusuf Johnny. Actually, and Vincent, the hidden uh, partner who I, he's just, he's like the guy on the phone who does everything and we oh, yeah. never really see him. And what do they um, mostly cost? What's your, your budget usually? You're not supposed to say. All right, but, all right. Okay, no, but... Um, <laughs> He settled down. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, uh, boy, I mean, uh, Wendy and Lucy was really low budget, you know, in the yeah. $100,000 range. And then um, uh, I guess Meeks was around a million bucks. Yeah. And uh, uh, Night Moves, I honestly can't remember what it ended up being. Uh, but, you know, they're small. Yeah, but know? clearly actors want to yeah. work with you. Yeah, actors want to work with me, and um, and Michelle has set a nice uh, standard of like you know she'll take the she'll take the lowest sure, f- and then other people join in. You know, it's um so that they're doable. Well, I thought that like with in certain women that you know you almost have the, these you know three characters these yeah. these women. I mean that was cool. Uh, Kristen Stewart coming out and playing that part. It's great. Yeah, and and Laura Dern and Michelle yeah, and Laura. the and the woman from Montana. Who were who where is she from? The other Lily woman. Gladstone from Montana. Wow, she's um in the new Astounding. Scorsese movie. Oh, she should be. Yeah, I know. I'm really happy for her. Um, but that type of the 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 sense of 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 longing on behalf of all of them. Yeah, I mean, what was the those were um, the driving force of that. The, these were um, stories by the writer Miley Malloy. She had uh, two collections of shorts, mm. and um, I kind of patched uh, together some from three stories from these different collections. And uh, like the rancher's a, a dude in in her story, mm. and so the Gladstone character, yeah, the yeah. Gladstone character. But uh, in a lot of ways, it was like making three short films together. It was, uh, but. They made sense to me as a whole, like yeah. the way they worked with each other. Yeah. But um, they, yeah, it was, well, we were talking about actors, I yeah. guess, and that was a nice, and, and LeGros was there. Oh, and, you um, like him? Yeah, I do. I always wonder what happens to him sometimes. Like, you know, like, you know, since like Drugstore Cowboy, I'm like, what's that guy doing? And then he He's, shows up here and there. Yeah. I mean, he works all the time. Yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. I mean, yeah. if I he, like him. Yeah, I like him too. I think he's uh, mem- he's in Safe. He's yeah. really great in Safe. Um, safe is a confounding movie. It's a great film. Yeah, I, I love I, it. Agree. Yeah, it's. It but is I have a, no idea what it ultimately is about. Really? Wow. I. I mean. Um, I've watched it a few times. I remember the first time I saw it. I'm like, this is the best movie ever made. I don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah. Gosh. I. What? I really, I didn't under, I read the script. I didn't understand the script at all. But yeah. I, I understood the movie. Uh, yeah, really. What does it me, mean to you? Um, well, f- the idea of, uh, you know, projecting, it, it, saying that anybody's uh, illness is like caused by themselves to me is like problematic. You yeah. know, In the first place, but um, and just someone who doesn't really have a total self. Yeah. And is taking more information from the outside, I think, than from a, the inside. It's a big problem right now me. Yeah, in the world. I think that, I think, yeah, that film ages really well because it, uh, 
it's every part of it is still relevant. Like that the idea of environmental sickness yeah. is uh, in your head, yeah. you know, that. That's crazy. But then that the answer is an igloo is also quite. Right, and then uh, just that weird guy who's just wandering. Around, okay. I know. never understood that guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. Um, well, that's well. That's where you end up, man. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's the the, that's the far, far side of the yeah, spectrum. I guess that is the far side of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So. Okay, but I I thought you know I I I thought that it seemed to me that that certain women was about about love and not love about longing yeah. and and you know unrequited love and you know compromises made to honor you know desire and and there's a lot of stuff yeah. in there. Yeah, and um, about relationship too, I think. Yeah, and sometimes, um, you know, aloneness is comforting mm. and great, and sometimes it's lonely. And then, um, well, you got a lot of animals around. So that's good. <laughs> you like the animals. Yeah, okay, that dog so, came with that ranch. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just love that Gladstone was so amazing when she drives to sit in the parking lot. It's just like she's great. Yeah. And Kristen Stewart played that so well. Like that not... was an insane. That day was so windy and so wild, and they did that scene. And uh, Kristen came up to me afterwards, and she's oh, like she's like she's really uh, you know, like she had to upper realize she had to upper game. She's like oh yeah, she was she was like taken back by Lily. She was like oh okay, all right, yeah, something going on here. <laughs> so it was cool. Wow. And, yeah. and Kristen was really willing to let all the scenes be Lily's. Yeah. And that was so cool. So, all right, we talked a little bit about First Cow, which is, you know, a beautiful movie. And Lily Gladstone's in that. Oh. And she's the one who, she plays the chief factor's wife. And she's the one who really, uh, really got down the uh, language, the Chinook uh language really down yeah, yeah. she plays she has the cat yeah yeah, yeah, she plays yeah. His wife. Yeah, yeah 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 no i i just you know i got so hung up with mccabe and mrs miller and then like you know the story of those two guys and that yeah. actor who's also in showing up i i just like i really found that you know the similarity john mcgarrow huh, yeah yeah but like the similarities in terms of you know class and capitalism and and you know the nature of the prospector, uh, whether yeah. and and also the beaver business, you know, versus you know hookers and gambling. I mean, it was all right. yeah, part yeah. of that that right. story. The 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 beginning of capitalism. Yes, really. the beginning of capitalism. Right. Yeah, and um and already um before there's even a an agreed currency. Yeah, like everyone's using different things for currency. Yeah, it's so but good. The, yeah. um, but the the hierarchy for who's on top as far as like. Is seems already in place. Like there's a scene well, the like we one... have a um, a a servant who's like from the Sandwich Islands, who's you know, uh, and uh, and King Lou, and then you have um, so there's different levels of servitude and color and race and sure, um, but it's all coming it, into play. It kind of tr- it go, kind of goes up the hierarchy because mm-hmm. of negotiations made with the natives. Right. 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 Yeah. That, you know, if you're going to cut in the natives and, and, and create some sort of detente with the people that, you know, know the land and right. theoretically own the land, that that's yeah. where it starts. That's right. But then where does that leave, like, Lily Gladstone's servant or someone like King Lou? Like, yeah. those guys are in them between each other. Or they get they're pushed deciding. out eventually. Yeah, but they're deciding who's on top between the two of them. Like, right. but, like there's a weird yeah, scene. Yeah. So everyone's scrambling for their space. But, yeah. um 
Yeah, I just thought the relationship between the the cook and the other guy was so sweet. Yeah, that's uh, and those characters came from that first novel of John Raymond's yeah. that I read, The Half Life. And in that novel, in the, in the script, well, there's no cow in the novel, and the novel goes between, you know, like goes back into 1800s and to contemporary life back and forth. But I think the violence of that yeah. story is that you know that the price to pay for for the milk, you know, you know, in a lawless land, yeah. would be your life. Yeah, which was which is is you know you know given this sort of it's like the it's like the dog food really like yeah. there's no use like it's so petty yeah right right but but like but no one was going to stop it yeah and that was the nature of the frontier on some level but yeah. you know after you set up this beautiful relationship and these poetic characters and you know the this sort of sweetness of barter and all yeah. this stuff that you know the violence is specific and it's heinous yeah. Yeah, and it, it, that is the, that is the beginning of thuggery, you know. Yeah. That really grows to define the system we live in, right? Yeah, <laughs> early days. <laughs> but 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 the roots of yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, okay, so let's get to the the current movie. We're not allowed you, to talk about that anymore, by the way, in what? school. Yeah, yeah, in certain schools, right? You wouldn't be allowed to show this uh, uh, film, probably. Really? You know, well, you know, the whole uh, thing of getting rid of. Uh, uh, don't make white people feel guilty. Uh, oh, oh, uh, you, well, you mean oh, so the fascists? You wouldn't yeah. be able to talk yeah. about it in fascist institutions. Yeah, like Florida, Texas, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. elementary yeah. schools. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's uh, it's horrendous. Yeah. But but the new movie, like to me, it was so beautiful because you know I having had the experience of of being with somebody who was in the high art world. Yeah, you 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 start to realize that there's this whole other tier. Right. Of of successful, quote unquote, successful artists. Yeah. That that aren't making the financial cut. They no. they exist in community and in right. institutions. Yeah. And they get by. They get by. And this is those people. This is those people in the daily um I mean, originally we were gonna do a biopic on this painter, Emily Carr. Canadian painter that uh-huh. we, John and I love. And we went to Vancouver, but we, we thought she was obscure. And she had a decade of her life where she became a landlord because she thought it would be better than having day job. Yeah. I'll have more time to paint. Sure. But her tenants were so needy, she couldn't get around to painting. Yeah. And then we went to Vancouver and we found out she's like hugely worshipped, famous. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? So we were like, so, okay, that doesn't work. So then yeah. we kind of turned it more towards our own world. Yeah. Um, and this school, Oregon College of Arts and Crafts, is a... It's a real place? It, it's closed, but it was a, a school for over 100 years and a really important pottery ceramics place for the Pacific Northwest yeah. all through the 60s and 70s. And up till pretty much everyone we worked with had some connection to That's that school. That's where you shot? And Yeah. And it closed, it, you know, like so many art schools, it closed. And it it was only because it was covid because it's going to become something else. It's going to become like a middle school and it's yeah. going to be renovated. But because of COVID, they kind of had to divert their funds to online learning. So we got to shoot there. Wow. Which was, you know, so it was a big empty school and we got to make up a whole school. Well, I, the thing I loved about the school is, and that, you know, she, Michelle Williams' character's parents are involved. Her father's a, a famous potter who is right. retired. Her, her mother is running the school. And she yeah. obviously grew up in this environment. Right. But like just walking down those halls and seeing what we all saw of yeah. our generation 
in art schools yeah. or, or in people we knew. Yeah. Everyone's solving the big questions the same way over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You know, ad infinitum of, yeah. of you know, these way the artists, young artists discover themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's There's a format to it, but they're yeah. not aware of it. Yes. Yeah. And and it's sort of the root of the delusion necessary to pursue arts. And the other mm-hmm. thing about arts is that no one's going to stop you but you. Right. Yeah, you can it depending like it's harder if you're if if your art is clay or painting. Yeah. If you if you want to make films, films take money. Yeah. But yeah, but if you make the room in your life for it, you can make stuff. But but pottery, like I'm a big pottery fan and yeah. and it's a practical art and it's mm-hmm. and it's affordable and it's yeah. usually priced within a a, a price mm-hmm. point that you can aff- afford. Right. And it's nice to have. It's beautiful, yeah. And and it's 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 almost, you know, the you you don't have to covet it so much. Yeah. Uh, painting's different. Yeah. You know, and, and and certainly the work of 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 uh, Hong, Hong Hong Chao. Chao. Yeah. Her work is completely esoteric. Yeah. And can only exist in installations. That's and um yeah that's Michelle Segre's work. Yeah, and it um, has it's only it's designed to be documented. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole world of like installation where all you're going for is the book. Right. Well, she would not like to be called an installation artist. She's a sculptor, but she, um, but her things are huge yeah. and no, they like need that. space. Yeah. You know, yeah, they need space. But but it's not the kind of art that you're like, I'm going to yeah. buy that for my house. No, you're not. Yeah. It's art for art's sake in a yeah. way. Mm. But but then Michelle Williams, you know, just that juxtaposition. There's a scene, and did you ever yeah. see the the New York stories, Scorsese's yeah. short in the the New York stories? I can't it was three. It. There was it's Coppola, Woody Allen, and, and Scorsese. Right. It's Nick Nolte as plays a an old school New York painter. I can't and remember it. Yeah, it's such a great scene where you know he's like Rosanna Arquette. I think is the 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 woman who's living with him, and she's also doing her little paintings. But he's like a massive canvas, you know, yeah, yeah. old right. you know from the sixties, <laughs> you know. And she's doing her little canvases, and, and she ends up fucking some guy, and you know, and he's at the house, the guy she fucked, and you know, and and it's Nick Nolte shows up, uh, and I can't remember the situation, you know. Uh, but there's a beat where, you know, Nolte says to him, like, what do you do? And the guy goes, I'm a graffiti artist. <laughs> and and then Nick Nolte goes, I'm a painter. Right. You know, like <laughs> with the weight of it, right. you know. But, uh, but, but there's something about the sort of preciousness of Michelle Williams' work. And everyone's so kind. And there, there mm-hmm. was something kind of profound about one of them getting fucked up in the kiln. That, yeah. you know, that, you know, that this was sort of. You know, a chip in the armor. She had to reckon with acceptance and and, and all right. the. I I don't know. I just found that the depiction and then the mentally ill brother. Okay. All the um, uh, all the uh, the thing with the the piece that was going to be messed up. Yeah. I mean, the the pieces that she's working on, which are made by Cynthia Latte, are not like pristine pieces. Like yeah. she, the work is already fucked up, yeah. and it's uh, you know in its original idea of yeah. it. But so I kept, we kept trying different things to screw it up and you would be like, well, is that just part of it? Yeah. Like, you know, you couldn't tell. Well, you had to so burn then we had it. this, yeah, we had to burn it and still I almost lost half a day of shooting, be able, not, just not being able to decide like, is that fucked, fucked up, up enough? enough? <laughs> or does that look good? Or is that, no, what, no, like it I worked. couldn't, I yeah. couldn't, I mean, it, it made me, cre- I know it seems so stupid now, but the Maybe, night's, yeah. Of sleep lost over worry, thinking of, you know, being able to judge when it was too much or not enough, or you'd be able to tell. Eh. But, but what was what were your concerns in this movie in terms of themes? I mean, what was your intent? Um, I think we wanted to uh, show 
Like if you have a desire and an impulse to make something the way you, you know, the way you're going to have lunch today, like you need to to balance your life, but you don't necessarily have a built-in audience and, uh, or your audience is maybe the same audience you've had over and over again. And uh, is it, you still, these people still need to make stuff because that's like how their day goes and it's what makes their life make sense and how they, um, and they have something they want to get out and yeah you know and so we were trying to um put it in a sort of lower stakes world but that those the anxieties still exist of um completion and level of you know deciding what's good enough and if you're as good as you should be or you're making it better or is it going to speak to anyone besides you and also just how do you make time yeah. to make it work into your life and I think how a lot of things in your life like I worry about people who make art now because I just think like when we were young like part of making art is hanging out like yeah. you need time to hang out and yeah. talk about stuff like John yeah. and I hang out a lot and walk around and talk and yeah. people always go like how do you work together it's like hanging out yeah. and gossiping I yeah. guess a lot yeah. of it uh, right and um, but you know rents are so high and everything now you like your whole life is like trying to figure out how to I don't know it's a harder thing you don't you can't just go like I'm just going to go to New York City and find my people because New York City is a yeah I know like, it's all like, the cities I, I talk Portland's about, too expensive sure yeah I talk about that like uh, on stage recently just about yeah. how you know I, so it really it is a movie about creating art yeah and and the lifestyle around that right in the in the daily process of it yeah i talk about not, like yeah. sometimes i talk about uh, uh, on stage i'm talking about go, you know shopping sometimes i go to three supermarkets to go shopping just because mm-hmm. i've just decided that's what, and then i said uh, what do you think comics do during the day yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah you know yeah i used to i spent most of my life running errands with other people right usually my errands like what are you doing you want to go take a ride with me today why i go do something i have to do Did you, yeah yeah why not? That's- yeah why not yeah, you walk in. Well, you walk sure. in our neighborhood in Portland. You like walk, and you're going to stop at the store and get some stuff. And yeah, your backpack's getting filled after up I along did the my way. after I did my show at Carnegie Hall, mm-hmm. which is a big night. Me and Sharpwing walked all the way downtown. That's what the film's about. That's it. Like the um, the the best night that you're, you know. Yeah. Oh, you got into camp. You did it. Yeah. You go, okay. The memory for me of all of that <laughs> yeah. is breaking it down. With uh, Chris Blavelt, the DP, or my sure. producers, or yeah. John Raymond, it's the walk home afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I usually just meet John. We'll meet up in the, and then we wh- wherever it is, and we and then we share what anybody said does the whole thing. You're just breaking down the night, and that's the best part. Yeah, that's the best part great. of the night. Yeah. yeah, it was so weird because after I did Carnegie Hall, which wasn't mm-hmm. great yeah. for me, but yeah. my opening act did well, and mm-hmm. I, and after the evening, my opening act at that time, you know, I was kind of like addicted to nicotine so he gave me what was left of his like you know you know chew yeah. his packets and yeah. i was he there was like four in there i'm like oh this is great and then right. i i saw tom and i'm like what are you doing let's just walk yeah. so i'm just like chewing skull and walking, walking with tom, tom. Yeah. after i did Carnegie hall uh and that was the best part of the night yeah really. that is the best part of the night yeah <laughs> well, when the, it's over yeah well, well i guess that, that all makes sense now in terms of your you're, you're, you you yeah. create all this tension between all these characters and 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 their Don't egos the yeah i'm not going to okay no, I just all I'm oh, going to say yeah. is that uh, this is the happiest ending you've made. Yeah, 
great. Yeah, it, it's the most of an ending ending, probably. It's kind of an but, ending. But life but goes on. Life goes on. But but life goes on. But you know, mm. you, you don't walk out of this movie going, no, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, another, it's going to be another day. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for checking out the movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really, uh, really love the work. Yeah, thanks a lot. I did it. I gave her the Paul Thomas Anderson treatment. We just went movie to movie, baby. Movie to movie. Let's talk it out. Her new one showing up opens in theaters tomorrow. And in a minute, I'll tell you where you can catch all the other movies we talked about. Uh, so hang out. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here. And when they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. All right, listen up. Here's where the other Kelly Reichardt movies are streaming right now. River of Grass is streaming for free on Plex. Old Joy is on HBO Max. Wendy and Lucy is on Pluto TV, Tubi, Peacock, and AMC+. Meek's Cutoff is available on Showtime and AMC+. Night Moves is on Peacock and Freebie. Certain Women is on Pluto TV, Tubi, and AMC+. And First Cow is on Peacock. There you go. Go watch them. Next week, we have Steven Yoon on Monday. He's in that new, uh, that new show, Beef, with Ali Wong, which I enjoyed very much. And on Thursday, Alex Borstein, who has her own comedy special coming out on Prime Video, as well as the new season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. All right? Okay? Here's some guitar. Is that all of it? Are we good? Great.
Boomer lives. Monkey. LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. Jesus told me so.